0: On today's show, we're going to tell you how your business can be in 100 languages overnight for free, plus how you could have your own large language model for your business, and MidJourney continues to disrupt and change the game in AI images. That and a lot more on today's episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO at Zapier. Let's get into today's show before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform with AI powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit hubspot.com service to learn more. So Kieran, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I have some big news
1: for the listeners. Oh! Big, big news. Two exciting things happened this week, Kip. I got my AI robot delivered and I got into the local tennis club after 18 months of being on the waiting list.
0: (laughs) So so hold on, as soon as you bought an AI (laughs) tennis robot, they then let you play tennis with humans? They're like, this guy is super
1: serious about the art and craft of tennis. Let him in here with his little robot. Just me. You're going to see like 10 quarts. And there's like kid friends, 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 playing tennis. And then at the end, there's this guy with a little tennis robot, no friends. I will inside. literally
0: pay anybody who wants to go and be the videographer and follow Kieran and his sad little tennis robot into the club. I can see like Kieran have the little robot on a leash, like walking beside him, and they go and play tennis at the far end of the club by themselves. Like, I need that video on this YouTube channel. If there's any way, I will, at any point, I'm get the we video. can get a video of that. I need I that video on this YouTube channel or at least spliced into a show. Come on.
1: So there you go. Opening up an AI-heavy show with some of the best AI updates we have with a story about a robot. That's the way you like transition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, actually, we have three major AI updates to talk to you about. But Kieran, we spend a lot of time talking about the awesome sides of AI. There are some non-awesome sides of AI. And I wanted to share a tweet with you that i think is going to freak you and our listeners out. You ready? Oh good. I don't know if you saw this. This is from our friend Rowan Chung who runs the rundown awesome AI Twitter influencer. You should go check him out. Have you seen this app? No, what is it do? It's called Pimmies, Pimeyes, P I M E Y E S. You upload one picture of somebody and it finds all the pictures of them on the entire internet.
1: Oh no way. Really? <laughs> Oh really? Oh, can yes. you uh, WhatsApp me this? <laughs> like, I know, that, I know, we're live <laughs> recording, but please do WhatsApp me this because I want to actually check this out. So I could just upload a picture of myself, and it will find every picture of me on the internet.
0: So <laughs> Rowan uploads one image of himself, yeah. and it goes and finds every image of him that exists on the internet. Wow! And look, and it's like creepy, like older images of him. Scary. It is bananas. I need to. That's do It's fascinating to me how good and how quick this app is.
1: That's pretty incredible. Like that is a form of search, right? Like we're seeing search continue to be de-aggregated, decommoditized, like live inside all of these singular point solution apps in different ways. Correct. What, what's going to be really interesting, I want to upload my image because I suspect all of the images are me at conferences speaking. And I want to see if there's anything else of me on the internet so I can make sure that I expunge it.
0: Well, so the other thing is the creepy thing about this, you can opt out of being included in this search, but you must upload your ID or passport to verify. Oh, really? <laughs> so you have to give this AI startup your like driver's license or passport to be Oh, because that's what I want to do. Right. <laughs> Don't you feel like, oh, you know, you know who I trust? Somebody named Pim Eyes with my passport.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's like uh, you know, trying
1: to unsubscribe from an email list and you have to like sign up to an account to unsubscribe from the email list they signed you up to to spam you. It's like, uh, no, that's not how this should actually work, right? (laughs) No, I will not be giving my ID, my password to you. (laughs) I need to check that out. But That's a scary.
0: I think you did a great job bringing it back to the show in terms, that's a very good example of how search is changing. And all the modalities in which we're going to be able to search in is going to be very different. And that search is probably going to verticalize much more. And you're going to have like image-based search like that. And it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be able to do a lot of really cool things, which also going to be able to do a lot of creepy things like that.
1: You want to do a lot of, yeah, there's going to be a lot of like good and bad that this technology can use it for. But I do think it's going to open up a world for other types of search, like being able to like upload video and search on different forms, different videos adjacent to that video. Like we've, for the most part, got used to just searching on text I know Google does do some image search already, but multimodal search is going to be pretty fascinating to watch as it kind of unravels.
0: Well, yes. And I think people are saying like, hey, people are going to use this facial and image search for stalking for bad things. But I also think you're going to be able to use it to have a better understanding of, oh, you know, I saw this person in this ad and I want to use them for my ad. Like, how do I find them? And like, you'll just be able to like, Take a picture, you know, I saw these pair of shoes that this person was wearing, I could just upload them and I'll find a place to buy them, right? There's going to be both really good and really bad use cases here, but I thought it was an awesome thing for our viewers to just check out because to me, this is like the very early days of the next generation of search with AI.
1: Right. Never use your face in an ad. Here's a really good tip for you all. Oh, this is In good. the early days of when we were building the product-led growth motion for HubSpot, we found an ad that worked really well. And it was featuring the face of one of our really good friends, a great uh, UX designer. And the problem was the ad worked so well. And because it had the model had trained in that ad that anytime we tried to like get that person's face removed from the ads because they were like, I'm all over the internet <laughs> advertising like these sales tools and the conversion rate was really strong. Because the model had trained on that ad, it was hard to ever beat that ad with any other ad. And so we were like, we were like incentivized <laughs> to keep using this person's like face to like advertise all of the sales tools. So there you would be very like conscious of what images you are using, because once a trainer model finds one that be, works. Be
0: conscious of the photos you're using in your ads As Kieran's learned it the hard way. Right. Sorry to our friend who was all over the internet for a couple of years. Right. But hey, that's the, the nature of growth and doing some marketing and figuring all this out. Okay, Kieran, I want to tell you about an update that came from a company we have talked about a ton on this show in terms of AI innovations, Meta. Meta released a brand new model called Seamless M4T. And it is a large language model that can do speech or text in a hundred different languages. Like, That is a mind-blowing thing to have happen. You can now input anything, any type of text or speech into this model and basically translate that into one of any hundred languages. Basically, Kieran, the big takeaway here is we are very close to every business being able to be in a hundred different languages for free and open up their product or service to a whole host of new customers and grow in ways that they've never been able to before. That's pretty freaking incredible.
1: Right. International expansion is going to look very different. I actually built the early part of my career helping U.S. companies expand internationally. And I saw this last night and I was trying to think through, wow, like what does that mean for the future of how businesses can actually expand internationally much, much faster? And so for the most part, when you want to go into new countries, you're better off trying to start with things like your marketing collateral, your customer support, all of that. And then you can start to see like where customers have problem with the language of your product and start to like localize in those countries where you start to see activation rates get much better when you localize, upgrade rates get much better when you localize. But trying to localize, to begin with localizing like things like market and sales support, like your go-to-market motions, is a great way to start to push into international markets. And this actually helps you to do that from day one. I think that's your point, yes. which is I can do text to text so I can take most of my documentation that I need to take for customers and actually just have that across all of these different languages, especially if you're a product led growth company. And so you have a freemium version and then it's a touchless motion. So you don't really have sales involved. You should be international from day one because you can actually have all of the material you need for your customers now in those languages from day one. The other one that I think is pretty incredible because I saw the demo last night is even if you need to interact with a salesperson or a customer support person, we are moving to a place in time where that person could actually be on the phone talking in yes. their language and actually being translated on the other end into that other person's language. Now, the thing that you kind of miss out on is like the regional colloquialism. What is that right word? Colloquialism.
0: Colloquialism. Yeah. Word? N- nice yeah. use right. of colloquialism. Yeah, congratulations. There you go. Nice
1: work. So the regional nuance that those people really care about, for the most part, in my experience, in international people don't care as much as you think. They don't care if the Z is the S or the S is the Z. I
0: think that is just an excuse people use to waste more money internationalizing.
1: So I I think businesses, in particular PLG businesses, this is huge, right? You can actually be international from day one. For most PLG businesses, even for those who start in the States, because they are freemium, because they are touchless, Around half of the revenue ends up coming from outside of the States anyway, just because it's open to all countries really from day one in terms of being able to acquire users and upgrade users. Now, it does skew towards English-speaking language countries, but I think this is a way for you to actually lead in much faster to those non-English-speaking countries if you're a PLG business.
0: So there's a few things I would make sure we hit here. It can understand more languages than it can output is basically one of the limitations of this model right now. But so what does this really mean? It means if you're selling software or you're selling goods, you can be a global business today, right? Like that's what it means. If you have a service-based business where you have to provide service, you could still use this, but it's not gonna be as valuable than if you are a software business or if you're an e-commerce physical goods business where you can now really take the product or software you have and be in markets that you just couldn't have easily and cheaply been in before. Right, And I think in my reading of this, Kieran, what's really interesting that we're not talking about, first of all, this is going to speed up globalization and our global economic marketplace far faster than anyone realizes. You're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. In the next five years, we are going to become more of a global economy than we've ever been because of tools like this. The second thing is I think an incredible use case here are for a lot of businesses in emerging markets throughout Asia, Africa, et cetera, who don't speak English, but are included in one of those 100 input languages. And it's like, great, my native language, I can get to English really quickly in a pretty high accuracy way. And I can open up much more of the English speaking economy, which I think is going to be pretty freaking incredible. I also think this is my extra like hot consumer take here, is like we have to be months, if not a year away from an app on our phone that is doing this for travel to make travel incredible. Right, exactly. (laughs) Like go any country, have real time text to speech, conversations with anybody, and just open up the whole world from a travel perspective. Like, don't you think that now that they launch us, somebody's working on that application like right now?
1: So in coming back to like what this means in business, I think there's two trends that are smooshing together, which is the consumerization of software, which means more software gets bought touchlessly. And actually this year, which is globalization, happens from day one. And so you're going to have businesses that are able to like scale much faster. The second one is, to your point, I have always said I was going to learn Spanish because I love Spain. Mostly I go to Spain for any of my holidays. <laughs> I've been talking about learning Spanish for like 15 years. And now... My laziness has paid off because I've waited to such a time <laughs> where yes. I will not need to do that because I'm going to get the app that's going to sit around my neck because it's going to translate for my voice. So it will be translated. And by the time I speak, it's going to actually have the Spanish language. So I will not need to learn. That is the world that I want to live in. That is the world I think we're going to move towards, which you'll have the app. Funny enough, in my watching poker, because I have to bring it back to like my weird thing about watching poker to go to sleep. <laughs> Here. But there's an example of this where there was this million dollar cash game going on and there was people from around the world and they were translating through Google Translate on their phone, right? So they would say something into the phone and then we put it on the table and play it for that person. And it's pretty awkward and like, it's a good way that you can still communicate with people in other languages, but like not a great experience. I think we're going to get to a more meaningfully a better experience and that's just better for the world. It's better that we can all communicate with each other, talk to each other, learn about each other. And, and so I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm sure there'll be some downsides of this that will come out, but the fact that any business can now be in at least the 36 output languages by default, but really be it's inclusive to 100 languages right now is a huge game changer for how we globalize and how we do Business and we grow our businesses across markets. So huge shout out to the Meta team. This is a big breakthrough as we are going through the large language model kind of cycle and development phase. And Meta clearly has got some awesome work happening that's going to unlock a bunch of potential. You're right. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight, one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Kieran. And we got another big thing that happened in the world this week, and that comes from our friends at MidJourney. We've talked a lot about MidJourney on the show. Some of our most popular videos are about MidJourney. MidJourney is leading the way in AI image generation, and this week they released MidJourney Paint, which is all about how you edit and change images within MidJourney. Tell everybody what's going on with MidJourney Paint. So two of the biggest critiques of MidJourney is
1: it's in Discord, please <laughs> take it out of Discord. But anyway, that is one of the critiques that I have. The second critique is it's really hard to edit images. And so what they released was in PayneTent, this is actually super awesome. I was playing around with it yesterday and what it allows you to do, this is a really great tweet from Chase Leon, another AI Twitterer. And so for example, what happens with this new feature is you can like upload an image Here's a cool image of a dog because dogs are awesome. I love dogs. Always start with a dog picture. This is how you actually juice your numbers. And now you get this new button. This very thing allows you to actually play around with this image, right? So you basically can select the region of the image. Then you can actually freeform type how you want that image to change. And instead of the dog, you get cool cats, right? If you're not a dog person or you're doing a presentation... There's, you know, three things you want to put in your conference presentations, a dog, a kitten, or a baby. And so you can play around with photos and figure out what is the right thing for you. So you see, like, on and on, he gives examples of him selecting certain areas of the photos. He added this, like, cool flower. So that, I think that's how it works. Basically, you can edit it through natural language. And I think that is incredibly power. Again, it's democratizing how we create content.
0: Well, yeah. So what is mind-blowing about this is mid-journey, again, small team, it's like sub-20 people, they are killing the AI generation game because just the fidelity of their images are so good. And the biggest complaint was basically this. It's like, cool, I can get this good, awesome, amazing image from Mid Journey. But then I got to know Photoshop or do something else to really edit it and make it what I want it to be. And now Midjourney is like, nope, you don't need that. The biggest challenge, whether it be Mid Journey, Dolly, whatever, is generating an image and having that image being very hard to edit. And now you can iterate through an image really quickly. So like, let's say you're a fashion designer. Like you can iterate through looks, through an image really, really quickly to say like, oh yeah, that actually looks how I see it in my head. And now that is something I want to go and like sketch out actually make, you know, which is pretty freaking amazing that you're going to be able to iterate on this or A-B test certain elements of photos for your ads. We've talked a lot about advertising and images and advertising being so, so important. You're like, oh, well, let me test out a man and a woman versus an ad or this color of outfit versus this color of outfit to see if that performs better. You can do that so quickly now and you can do it so easily. And the fact that you can do it with text is mind blowing to me how fast we're going to be able to iterate on work that used to take us like hours or days is now just minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We did an episode of this where we showed some of the real applications of AI and Zapier and HubSpot. And you showed one where the paid marketing team had created imagery for paid ads. And I think that's a really good example where historically paid advertising, they need like all of these platforms are skewing towards imagery and videos. You even look at the breakdown that someone did of X's algorithm, yes. which I thought was an incredible breakdown. And like in there, things like, hey, if you comment, if you actually add video, if you add imagery, like basically things that people, will engage with, you're going to do much better. The same thing in all of these kind of platforms that we advertise on, visuals matter more and more. Now historically, the paid advertising team is blocked. And a paid advertising team actually would want hundreds of the same image with just different like tweaks to see which ones work. Now they can do that. They can just rapidly have the AI create multiple versions of something and they can iterate and test something. That is like one team, one example. There is a multitude of different teams, different examples. In blogs, like every single B2B blog out there has the same stock photos, right? That should never happen again. We should have like custom images, one-of-one images for all of the content we create. So we are collapsing the talent stack. Like I've used that article many, many times, but like one person can just do many other things. And I think that is a good thing because their idea does not go through multiple iterations through how other people perceive that. It's their idea that they can bring to life. And I think that's hugely powerful for marketers.
0: Two things. One, we are embarking on an era of the renaissance of individual creativity. One person is now gonna be able to do so much that they're gonna be able to have a very focused creative vision and bring that to life without the help of a ton of other people. And I think those ideas are gonna be sharper and more pointed and more interesting. I think it's gonna be a fun world to live in there because I'm an optimist and I, and, and I believe that. The other thing I just came to mind, Kieran, as you were talking, we opened up today's episode talking about the really creepy Pim Eyes app where you can upload a photo and get all the photos on the internet of that person. One of the biggest PIMIs use cases is going to be determining if somebody's real or AI, right? Like, oh, I'm going to upload an image and like, oh, it's clear that this person is just on this kind of fake Twitter account and these fake ads and they're just AI-generated person versus a real person. And sadly, like that's what we're going to need to kind of figure out in the future who's real and who's not.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. There's a, I'm not going to say his name because I think he's suing everyone, but there's a guy on X who blew up as the biggest like host of Twitter spaces. And there's been a bunch of negativity about how real the people in there are. And they're actually like, someone did a really good breakdown to show, Hey, like most of these people are made up, like they're just fake accounts. And they did that by actually showing the imagery and showing the images like we're one of one. So I, I think that's an incredible use case where you can have apps like that. They can run through these images and they can say, Hey, this person is a one of one more than likely a fake versus like real. Now, there are going to be some people who just don't like the internet. And <laughs> so they're going to be a one-on-one because they're living better lives than us and aren't For on the reals. internet. And I actually envy them. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I wasn't on the internet. Seriously. But, uh,
0: but anyway, I agree. Great application of that. <laughs> All right. Now that Kieran and I are ready to go be hermits and live somewhere, like we said in the intro, this is a freaking action-packed show. We got one other big, big announcement from this week to talk about. And that is... Kieran, OpenAI released super fine tuning for GPT model 3.5. What this means is that you can now do super fast, super detailed, granular tuning of a model for very specific use cases that are related to your problem, your business, right? And what they have found is that GPT 3.5 performs as well as GPT 4 with this super fine tuning. And that is mind blowing because we don't talk enough about fine tuning, but in our work at HubSpot, fine tuning has been everything to create great results with AI.
1: Right. Yeah. This is my favorite update out of the three updates because I
0: think they're going to be the most impactful. Oh, the spicy take. Yeah. The Mitch one's pretty cool. So for this to be your favorite update, because I think a big it's deal. hugely
1: impactful, you should subscribe to this show because months ago, we talked about the fact that the current LLM models are not gonna suffice for where businesses wanna go, which is a fine tuned model for their business that operates within the confines of their business that they feel safe about using. OpenAI was always gonna move to the enterprise. ChatGPT originally was like a demo just to get data back. They were not purposely trying to move in the consumer space. That consumer space is hard. It gets commoditized fast, high churn, all of these things, low switching costs. The enterprise, I think, was always the play for them. The reason this makes a lot of sense is because businesses want to feel confident about a model that they can fine-tune to their business, and then they can safeguard within the confines of their own business so their data is not getting out there. And this is a step towards doing just that. If you look at a lot of the research, a lot of the examples I went hunting on Twitter, there aren't like incredible examples of people using it in the wild, but there's like some good feedback that when you fine-tune a model, someone had to like fine-tune it towards giving back specific like coding examples. So they added in a bunch of data around their operating model, around coding and the code examples they wanted to have within their company. And it was like much better than the generic model. Like the big thing for the marketers that you and I have talked about before Again, I think that the write-in apps and these kind of apps, they have a long way to go to be like ready to ship if you wanna be in the upper echelon of content creators, if you wanna be an original thinker, but they are great for building the building blocks. But the building blocks today are generic because they just grab the entire internet and create something generic from all exactly. of that information. But tomorrow you can actually fine tune the LLM on your content, on your tone of voice, on your imagery, on your videos, and it's gonna be in a better assistant to build the building blocks that are applicable for your brand. And I think this update has seismic implications for the future of how businesses build AI into their actual businesses.
0: Right. It basically means that a broad large language model can be very successful, at very granular focused situations because of turbo fine tuning. And that That's a game changer, right? Like earlier in the show, we talked about the new seamless large language model for meta. If that had super fine tuning, you could add all your colloquialisms, everything into the languages that you're focused on and those specific terms that are related to your business and make the quality of interaction 10 times better, right? And OpenAI, because they were an early adopter and leader in the large language model space, they have a lead on a lot of really important innovations and super fine tuning is one of them. What we have found at HubSpot is like we have built a model to answer like customer queries and and help people who might have trouble using the software and fine tuning and really giving that model highly granular data and examples and use cases of those products really increase the performance and the quality of answers to customers by like 10x. Like it's incredible. And so the fact that OpenAI Is doing this is amazing. And I think people in the enterprise and business world are going to adopt this a lot. And second of all, Karen, I'm just like, what happens when they release super fine tuning for GPT-4? Like GPT-4, I think is amazing. With super fine tuning, it's probably going to blow our little minds open, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I think this is the horizontal vertical because we made the case, I made the case that I think that horizontal uh, experiences are probably not going to be the experience that anyone gravitates towards. It's going to be vertical experience. And if you think about these experiences, they are vertical because they're an experience one-on-one to your company, right? So like you build a vertical bot from the horizontal model that's applicable for your business. And that makes much more sense. I I think there will be versions horizontal products, if they can actually become a de facto search engine and be a better search engine. But I do think that this is an example of like, hey, I want to take something that is foundational, and then I want to build upon it and fine tune it to the needs of my business. And when I do that, it's going to be much more impactful. When you solve the privacy concerns, the security concerns, and the fine tuning, we're going to see adoption of AI within businesses accelerate. And I think that's going to be pretty incredible to see.
0: Yes. And I think if you're out there using OpenAI in your business, and you're using GPT-4, you might want to test 3.5 with super fine-tuning. You might get a better output, which is very antithetical to how everybody thinks. It's like, oh, no, I want the newest one. It's got to be better, right? And that's not the case in large language models. Large language models largely depend on, well, how many tokens can I do? How can I fine-tune it? There are a lot of other variables that are actually going to determine your success. So just, just don't opt for the newest model. Try a couple of different models, especially if you're an OpenAI user, you're using the API. Try both and see what the outcomes are going to be. I think that is one of our big lessons from the release of Superfied Tuning from OpenAI.
1: Yeah, if you're listening to this show, you're like, wow, I can take my business international overnight in 100 languages. Wow, I can have an LLM model just for myself. I'm going to adopt AI much more rapidly across my business. Wow, I can take images and easily edit bananas into them This is the greatest day I've had to date. I cannot wait to start doing this stuff.
0: Look, this has been one of the biggest weeks in AI in a long time. It's incredible. We are getting huge progress in new models, improving existing features of products like Midjourney and players like OpenAI continuing to build and innovate really quickly. Go back. This is one of those shows you're going to want to watch a second time. We are here for you. We're going to be back with more marketing, business, AI news commentary very soon on Marketing Instagram.